We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, two special guests today. We have Brooklyn Buzz listeners, Nets fans, Jake and Hassan. Guys, how are we doing? Hey, go Nets world. Life is good. Doing awesome. Go Nets. Awesome. And for those diehard listeners, you know Jake and Hassan have been on before for fan editions of the Brooklyn Buzz. So we're going to kind of jump into the state of the Nets, how the Katie and Kyrie era went, where they are now, and where where we hope to see them go. But as always, you can check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. Also, give us a follow on Instagram at Brooklyn Buzz Pod. But I guess, guys, to kick things off, what was the feeling about the Katie and Kyrie era and the way it ended and the lack of success that it had? Uh, so it's obviously incredibly bittersweet um not only did it feel like we were going to win a championship it felt like felt like a dynasty you know it felt like the the best team since the you know since the dynasty warriors uh so it's obviously very disappointing but honestly my my feeling about the whole era is i just have so much gratitude um uh it was the best basketball i'd ever seen uh ever played by the team that i loved um seeing kevin durant one of the top 10, if not top five, most talented basketball player of all time, wanting to make Brooklyn his home, taking pride in it and almost bringing us to the promised land. I really just have so much gratitude. And, you know, there were there were so many factors that, you know, have been well documented and there's probably a number of factors that haven't been. Uh, so, you know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens with Katie and Kyrie. I, w- I wish them all the best. But, yeah, I'm, I'm I feel I'm feel so grateful to have watched such great basketball and yeah, I'm, I'm excited. moving forward. For me, it was a lot of mixed bag of emotions. I remember the the day they signed the clean sweep, you know, I couldn't believe it. I, I was happy to just get a meeting with Katie, but to find out that he signed with the Nets, like I went crazy. And I think the whole tenure has been just that crazy, you know, ups and downs off the court issues. It's, 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 uh, it's just so hard to describe it in words because you know, I just wanted to see them play. That was my mm. biggest thing. See all three of them play. I didn't care if they won a championship. I just wanted to see 82 games, see a healthy playoff run. And uh, it didn't happen that way, but it was still fun seeing MVP candidates uh, wear your favorite team's colors and compete at a high level. So uh, it's it's been a whirlwind. I am pretty petty, so I was happy to see them get bounced in the first round. <laughs> 
So yeah, um, it's it's just been a mixed bag of emotions, but I'm excited to see um, the new era of the Brooklyn Nets with the Twins and Clacks and so forth. Yeah, I mean, if you had told me the Nets have signed Katie and Kyrie, you know, even without James Harden, and they'd not have one fifty-win season, no Eastern Conference Finals appearance, you would think that I was crazy. And obviously, there was a ton of drama and a ton of bad luck, you know, from injuries to COVID and being one of the few cities in the United States that you needed to have a vaccine to play a sport. So just kind of all the things broken the wrong way. And I think, like Jake mentioned, you mentioned Hassan, there was great moments. And, you know, I think game five against the Bucks of Kevin Durant, probably one of the best performances we'll ever see. And you you enjoy those moments. But again, it ended bittersweet, especially with the way that the playoffs have played out this year. You know, the Eastern Conference looks like it's wide open. No one wants to win the Eastern Conference finals, it seems like right now. And the Nets had Kyrie and Katie and they had a, you know, they won 18 out of 20 games. They had opportunities to improve the roster and maybe they could have made a championship run. But, you know, Ultimately, we're on to the next chapter. I guess before we finally end this chapter, what was your favorite moment of that era? I uh, I went to, I, I think it was I think it was Game Three of a uh, of round of the first round in 2021. I, it was Net Celtics and uh, like Joe Harris. He had all those threes in, in the in the first in the first quarter or the first half, and and yeah, I was there and and just like. The, the crowd was so was so into it and they just felt like the best basketball team in the world uh it, it felt like no one could really stop them and and yeah that carried over into you know game two the next round like you know harden or no harden it was you know it was, it was two of the best scorers on the planet and and yeah it was it was all these great role players and yeah it was happening in new york uh so yeah i i just i think those that run it there was just so much magic in in those moments for me i would say I think it was, um, I don't know if it was game one or game two of that 2021 series against the Bucks, but I think KD had Giannis on the right wing and he did a couple of hezzy crossovers and hit an and one jumper. And then he started me and mugging the crowd. At, when he hit that <laughs> shot, I was like, all right, like we're winning the championship. That's it. So um, that was my favorite moment outside of like, you know, the game five and game seven performances that he had. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be at game two against the Bucks, And like you said, Hassan, that's when he we saw KD, Kyrie, Cook, Giannis. It felt like this was just going to be domination. The series kind of felt over at that point, you know, and, and then obviously Kyrie went down later in the series and that kind of ended things. But it was amazing. And like you mentioned, Jake, against Boston, I think it was game two. Joe Harris just was cooking. I think he almost had 18 points in the first quarter. And it felt like, wow, like when this team turns it on, they can probably be anybody. And that that's the big biggest what if of the uh, the era. You know, that was the season that felt like they were going to win a championship if healthy. You know, it would have been a, a Hawks matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals and a Suns team that probably wasn't good enough to beat that Nets team even without James Harden. So it, it was really tough to stomach all of that. But like I said, let's move on to the next chapter this season. What was your reaction at the trade deadline? Obviously, kind of a, almost a week before the deadline, Kyrie requests the trade. By that weekend, he's heading to Dallas. And then we get the news you know, what was it, late, late Wednesday night or Wednesday morning, we uh, got the news KD was going to the Suns. What was the reaction to the trade deadline and how this era just came to a close? I mean, it was a it was a crazy two weeks. Like, I feel like two weeks before the deadline, uh, I think it was Kyrie's stepmother, who's like his agent, essentially said, we want to make Brooklyn home. And then, yep. yeah, within a week, uh, there was a trade request um, because, yeah, clearly – 
marks or sigh or the the you know the the powers that be were not willing to give the money on it and and then yeah you know that week cam thomas is cooking like yeah. i don't know it's just this, this chaotic time of highs and lows uh and yeah part of me even thought once Kyrie was gone for you know two really great role play players in my opinion and uh i think what will be a, a valuable future draft asset part of me felt kd still really wanted brooklyn to be home and that you know, maybe they would pull off a Siakam or somebody else, but yeah, once yeah, once once you got the Woj bomb, um, in some ways it was a best case scenario what the package was, but yeah, you know, I, I like I went for a, I went for a long walk after, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, yeah, drank a beer and um, yeah, it was it it it, it, it was sad, yeah, you, you know, your your favorite player going and and yeah, you know, a lot of the fans thought, oh, they'll never be a star to ever want to play for Brooklyn ever again, like you know, there are certain panic thoughts, but. Overall, it was it was it was just very bittersweet. I I think I'd echo the same sentiments that uh, that Jake had. I think I remember when when Kyrie got traded first. Um, I kind of felt it would be the Dallas situation that you'd get you know some vets and like a pick back or something like that. That one didn't sting too much because you know I feel like there's a love hate relationship with Kyrie. Um, but when KD got traded, like, uh, I, I can't remember what happened, but my phone had like 30 notifications and I was like <laughs> freaking out. And then, um, it, it, it was, uh, I think the Nets did do the best, um, that they could given the circumstances, you know, I think had they waited in the off season, KD might've formally requested a trade and teams would begin to give low ball offers. So I think to get, you know, all the picks that they did to get, you know, the twins, I think was a pretty, uh, pretty solid haul. I mean, you're never a winner when you give away a former league MVP, a four-time scoring champion, but I think they walk away from this um, thinking that we could salvage this. We can build something from this. So it does hurt, but it could have been a lot worse like it was back in 2013. So Yeah, it, it definitely could have been worse. I think, like you said, you know, the trade package they got for KD was definitely at the time didn't feel amazing because you're losing Kevin Durant. But now looking in hindsight, you feel really good about it. Obviously, the picks initially felt great, but seeing Mikel Bridges jump the way he did, Cam Johnson, you know, jumping in the playoffs, there's there's a lot of shine with those guys. And the Kyrie thing, like you mentioned, Hassan and Jake, it was like bittersweet to see him go. Obviously, on the court was amazing as a net, had some incredible performances, but obviously constant off-court drama and all those, the relationships he had with Joe Sy and Sean Marks, not great at that point. So it was, to an extent, you know, terrible to see great players go and your championship window to end, but there was probably some level of relief that it was just on to the next one because it just felt like it was never going to work out, even though, as we mentioned before, it could have been a possibly worked out this season, but... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Overall, the Nets move on and they finish out this season. They make the playoffs. They get bounced by the Sixers in the first round, swept. What were your thoughts on the way the Nets finished the season and how the playoffs went for this team? And, you know, a lot of people didn't even think they'd be able to hold on to that playoff spot, and they did. Uh, overall, I I was encouraged by what I saw. You know, it, it was essentially, yeah, I, I, I think Spencer McHale might have said it was sort of like mixing three team yeah, the way the way, the way three teams play ball, you know, you, you had to develop common language. Uh, so yeah, they had the least chemistry of any playoff contending team at that point, and the fact that they went nearly 500, um, as well as with you know silver lining individual performances, it honestly was encouraging. Uh, and yeah, we 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 did get swept. That stinks, but yeah, Philly was a much better team and. And yeah, in my opinion, you know, a, a couple of those games honestly were were pretty competitive. Uh, and you know, I I think we can have a, a roster that is ta- tailor made where we get one more 20, 25 point per game score. Yeah, th- this team could totally make a jump. Could totally be one of those top three or four teams in the East. So, you know, disappointed. I like Jacques Vaughn. You know, it's TBD if he's the guy or not, but. Overall, it was it went better than I thought it would. Yeah, and for myself, um, I think they went like Jack mentioned. I think they were like thirteen and um, fifteen to post trade deadline under Jacques Vaughn under the new new look Nets. Um, Mikhail in I think twenty six games averaged around a little over 26, 50, 40, 90 shooting. Uh, I think Cam Johnson shot better than fifty percent from the field, but his three point percentage went down. Um, but overall, I, I think there were some good things from those guys. Um, go heading into the playoffs, they should have got a game if Joel Embiid got suspended or uh, if he got ejected. But um, <laughs> but um, uh, they did compete. I thought that the game plan was okay. I liked the constant doubling of Embiid. Um, I like Jacques Vaughn as a motivator. Um, X's and O's, you know, everybody has their opinions on that stuff. But I do think he's a guy that players want to play for, and I think that's the most important thing. Uh, for being a coach if he's the guy or not you know it doesn't really matter to me whoever is in the spot I'll support but I think Jacques an okay solid coach to have um, overall I think they just they competed they played hard they got the most out of that group that you know had only a few weeks together yep. um, so I'm excited to see what a training camp does what an offseason does what retooling does um, but I think going 500 you know essentially playing pickup basketball is it's is a real positive, you know, because uh, they were they were severe. There was they had every reason to just you know tank the season, and they didn't. So I respect the fight for sure. Yeah, they grinded out. They held on to their spot. You know, I think in the postseason it was a mixed bag. You know, I think defensively they had a great game plan, and it kept them in games. Offensively, they just couldn't get anything going. You know, and not to blame one guy, but Spencer Dinwiddie obviously struggled severely. You know, Mikel Bridges kind of cooled off after, you know, heading back to Brooklyn. If those two guys play a little bit better, you know, Joel Embiid banged up, missed the rest of the series potentially, you know, it could be even more competitive. So, uh, again, though, like you guys mentioned, you know, it's pretty much 
four out of five new starters to you know end the season. That's unheard of for you to, especially with none of them being all stars. So credit them for finding a way to kind of compete. And Jacques Vaughn, like you said, you know, verdict is still out on him. I think defensively, he's definitely shown some things. I think it's a question more of the offense. But now this offseason, we'll see what he can do because he's going to get his own assistant coaches. He's going to be able to implement his own, you know, system and style for an entire offseason and potentially have a roster that he wants. You know, they're going to maybe look for some different bodies that maybe Steve Nash wasn't into or different skill sets. So it should be good to see what he is and who he can be. I guess before we move on to the offseason, who was the most impressive player for you guys to end the season or for the entire, you know, 2022-2023 season? Uh I'd say well, the fact that Mikhail made such a jump, I, I I feel like he deserves that love. So I will say him, but I will also I will also acknowledge Nick Claxton, who took on much more minutes than he had ever had in his whole career. You know, has has been praised by you know his star teammates. Uh, you know, as a very young player, this raw prospect, and he really put it together. Uh, he he can guard anybody on the floor. Um, and yeah, he was he was putting up high field goal percentages. He, yeah, he, he, he played his, he played his bot off for us. And, you know, I, I see the possibility of the Nets having Claxton bridges, Finney Smith and Simmons on the court all at the same time. Like I think they could put teams in hell. Um, so yeah, I, I think Claxton was, was the dude and yeah, bridges, you know, what a better guy to root for him. I'm very grateful. He's a net. Um, for me, I would say I would agree. I think Claxton. I mean, um, I would. Uh, sorry, I would say Mikhail. You know, going from a you know 14, 15 points a game in uh, Phoenix to 26. You know, as a net, and you know, with a new system, with a new coach, and his efficiency didn't dip. I think post trade deadline, he led the league in pull up jumpers. So that's that's like you know, <laughs> you know, where did that come from? So that was found money with him. Um, and I'm excited to see if he could take like a Shea Gilgis Alexander leap. Like, could he go from, you know, 25, 27 to possibly in the 30 point club next year? Um, plus that, you know, DPOI type of defense that he could play. Um, and then Claxton, you know, I think the biggest thing we all felt with him was health. You know, we, we saw the we saw the glimmers, we saw the potential, but we never saw consistency. You know, he was always sick or he had some kind of injury. So to see him have a DPOI candidacy. And he definitely deserved it. I don't know why he didn't. I don't know how he got left off the ballot, like top three. But, you know, he led the league in. I think he was second in stocks this year. He was third in contested shots this year. Um, and and his off the dribble game was really nice too. those, you know, fake dribble handoffs driving to the rim. Um, just led the league in field goal percentage. Um, he, he had he exceeded every expectation that I think the coaches, the staff, the organization had for him. So. I'm excited to see if he could maybe have a bigger role, like if he could get the ball more, get more shot attempts, not just be a lob, a lob threat, but, you know, get to go from the free throw line and get to attack and, you know, sort of Giannis style, like just, you know, either they foul you or I'm going to score. So uh, I'm really impressed with those two guys. And Cam Johnson, I think, showed out a little bit in the playoffs, you know, 18 a game, the couple of the dunk on Embiid and he almost Woo! did it again. <laughs> uh, he almost had another one, but he missed it. So. Yeah, pretty excited for those three, the Twins and Clacks. 
Yeah, I think Clax, we're all excited because he's kind of a homegrown guy. You know, he was a, a Nets draft pick, and we've all been kind of hyped about him. And this year, he finally put it all together. You know, a lot of it was conditioning, offseason work, and just locking in. And I think you could just tell how serious he was to start the season. You know, you guys brought up, like, he definitely can add more to his game. He's 24 years old, and he's already showcased a ton. I think there's a little, little bit to his ball handling. And you mentioned kind of driving to the rim think he could use a little bit of power but also a euro step in there we've seen him do that we've seen him run in transition you know i could go on for clacks for another 30 minutes but we'll we'll move move to mikhail and cam you know mikhail obviously took that huge scoring jump looked really lethal in that in-between game you know that matchup against miami really sticks out where he was able to kind of cook whoever they put in front of him and as you mentioned hassan you know cam johnson in the playoffs was awesome so hopefully all those guys you know building up moving forward if you know they're still on the nets but getting to the offseason it's already been a huge topic on nets twitter you guys i know participate in that what do you want to see them do you want to see them swing for a superstar you know maybe run it back or go into that rebuild mode so i'm in i'm in like two schools of thought so I think I think Dame is a realistic, helpful short-term and long-term move that I, I think is in the realm of possibility. Um, I, I think generally point guards, even really good ones, uh, don't go for more than three first-round picks. You know, m- maybe a swap or two is included, but I think the Nets have they have a number a number of movable salaries and draft picks to get a guy like him and not necessarily be hamstrung for the whole future. But big part of me thinks that Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo are not necessarily locked into their franchises forever. And I think both players at different points this spring have been rumored like, oh, if they go, oh, they can go to the Knicks. Like Knicks are hot right now. They're a big market. They could go there. I think the Nets shouldn't give, you know, put all their eggs in the wrong basket and mess them up for getting those real game changer type guys. Uh, so yeah, part of me wants them to like get Ben Simmons back and just see how good everybody they have is, but also, yeah, I know if you surround Dame Lillard with, yeah, like I said, like four very switchable high level defenders, like, you know, that team could totally go on a run. Um, so I'm, I'm very open to a star, but if we don't get one, I'm confident it's because Marks doesn't want to overpay for one. Um, I think for myself, um, I think Dame Lillard in a Nets uniform would be amazing um, on paper, but I just feel like it would, you know, the Blazers would want anything and everything back for him. You know, they'd want a gajillion draft picks. They'd probably want McHale in there somewhere or Clax. Um, and given Dame's age and his contract, I think he makes around, he's going to be making upwards of 50, 60 million the next coming years. Uh, I just don't think it's feasible. I also kind of have a little PTSD from what just happened. <laughs> hmm. um, so I, I I don't think running it back totally is the best option um, or rebuilding. I, I'm kind of in that tweener type of thing where I'd like to see them, you know, use the trade exception, use their draft picks to maybe take chances on certain guys that um, need a new change of scenery. You know, I know Jonathan Kuminga has been mentioned around somewhere like young guys who could just use a new spot. And I like what, J- uh, what Jake said, um, putting yourself in a position to get a young superstar in the future, like a Giannis, like a Luca, you know, I, I really like what teams like Miami have done, just competing with the guys that you have and, you know, uh, do what got you Katie and Kyrie in the first place, you know, be a young feisty team 
and hopefully you can get a meeting with them and maybe you could swing uh, a deal of some sort. But I don't think going star hunting right now and, you know, getting rid of all the assets that you just acquired is the best option for me. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I think uh, there's all different thought process on what they should do. You know, I think you could probably talk yourself into every scenario. You know, if a player like Damian Lillard wants to come to your team, it's really hard to say no, especially if he's requesting a trade to Brooklyn. I mean, he's that good of a player and you know how it works. You know, you potentially land one superstar. Next thing you know, someone's calling at the trade deadline or the next offseason. So I think you have to be open to all the avenues. And I think if you are quote unquote running it back, you know, you make minor upgrades, you try to get those young upside guys and try to work your cap and really figure out what's up with Ben Simmons. You know, is Ben going to be tradable at the deadline, maybe tradable the next offseason as expiring contract, or does he, you know, really bounce back and there's some positivity around him? We'll see what happens there. And I think the only way you really enter the rebuild is if Portland sends you a ridiculous offer of Mikel Bridges. You know, at the end of the day, if you're getting you know, Scoot Henderson and some draft picks, you have to listen because he's that type of prospect. And who knows the next time the Nets would be in a position to land a guy like that could that could be your, you know, homegrown superstar. So it'll be really interesting to see who they pursue, what the plan is. And I think we'll have a really good idea of what they want to do by draft night. You know, if they take those picks, we're they're probably getting closer to running it back. If those picks are potentially on the move or they're looking to add future picks, now that trade seems more and more likely. But I guess, guys, who would be, you know, let's just say we went the star route this summer. Other than Dame Lillard, who would be some guys potentially you think the Nets could pursue? You know, you could give me one that's probably not realistic and then give me a few that are. Uh, I know a lot of Nets fans really like Siakam. Um, basketball wise, I think he would be a great fit. I don't see Toronto doing business with us unless they, you know, they want to completely, you know, they want to fleece everyone. Away. Yeah, they want to fleece everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're a division rival and yeah, yeah, Masai's a piece of work. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see us getting a guy like Siakam. Uh, I could totally see us getting Dame because I, I could see him wanting the bigger market. Clearly, he likes Mikhail. The Blazers have this third pick, and they can move that third pick to get a really good player. But I don't know. I feel I feel like there are three potentially generational guys with that pick. So I re- I think Dame is a realistic option. I love Trey Young personally. Um, so I feel like the Nets, the fact that they have so many versatile defenders, especially a guy like Ben who can be in the backcourt and guard the best perimeter player, like the Nets could potentially be the best case scenario for a non-defensive but really great scoring guard. So I, I think those are the most realistic for this offseason. But, yeah, you know, I, I think DeJounte Murray, if, if you're able to pull that off with the trade exception, you know, obviously that makes the team so much better. I like the idea of this team having a defensive identity. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, think a, I think a star guard is potentially in the cards. And the fact that Ben Simmons, you know, he only had back surgery a year ago. Um, it'll be 18 months, I think, in December. Uh, so in a way, we could be potentially be getting a star in him and a star in Dame or Trey in like the best case scenario. But you know, I think a lot of us would be happy to just get you know a, a starting level Ben Simmons. You know, sure. I mean, if we just got Ben that could contribute and played really good defense and was okay, I think the Nets would be really happy. I mean, even to finish last season, it would have been ideal, but. We'll we'll see what happens with Ben. Um, Hassan, what are you thinking? Who would be some guys you want to see them target? Um, 
I think the star point guard, a young star point guard would be really nice. Um, somebody I was thinking about um, was like LaMelo Ball. You know, he's kind oh, of toiling away in Charlotte. Um, Charlotte's never been able to put a good team on the floor since Michael Jordan's owned the team. Um, I could see them, you know, if we if the Nets offer, you know, a couple of their first round picks, you know, maybe a Dinwiddie, maybe a Cam, maybe a Cam Thomas, and maybe you could get him, you know, because they've had him. I know he's only in like in his third season, but they've been a play-in team the last couple of years. I don't see them getting any better. Maybe you could swing for him. Uh, another guy that I really like, but I don't think there's any chance they'll give him up. Tyrese Halliburton. You know, yeah, he's, he's locked a, in. Yeah, he's locked in, but he, he's a dream. <laughs> um, uh, but a guy like that, just a terrific passer. He's solid defensively. He's young, so he fits the timeline that you want. Um, and then for the big spot, Laurie Markkinen, uh, you know, he's a terrific shooter. He's improved as a rebounder. Um, his off the dribble game. I didn't know he had that in his bag. Um, he'd be awesome next to Claxton. So I guess one of those two positions, either a star guard or like a floor spacing big, uh, not cat because of his age and the contract, but, yeah. but that, but that mold, you know, a guy that could shoot and uh, has some other tools in his toolkit offensively. And I want potentially... LaMelo now, man. <laughs> yeah. I think LaMelo would be a great dream if uh, the Hornets decided to lean into Scoot Anderson and blow that team up. Maybe you send a ton of picks. Obviously, I think the biggest concern with LaMelo is maybe like his genetics and the fact he's been very injured. His brother's been very injured. That's a little bit scary. But like you kind of mentioned, Jake, the Nets are in a unique position where they could protect a lot of bad defensive guards. You know, you could talk yourself in the Trey Young probably a little bit more. Like you mentioned, Hassan definitely would steer clear of cat you know i just think there's too many question marks and just not sure you know if he's even a one or two really on a championship team until he can play better defense in the playoffs but it'll be interesting to see kind of what direction they really lean into in terms of do they swing big for a star is it a young star or kind of one of those proven guys you know it's a big difference between landing a dame lillard or a trey young given age wise so and obviously skill level too because Trey's not up to that that level yet of Dame. But uh, I guess, guys, any other, you know, low-key targets or just thoughts you've had about the offseason that you'd like to see the Nets kind of jump into? Anything that's random that's popped in your mind? Well, uh, I mean, obviously, if Miami blows the 3-0 lead, this won't happen. But it looks like the, the best two players in the finals are going to be a 30th pick in Jimmy Butler and a 41st pick in Jokic. And... The Nets have the 21st and the 22nd picks in what looks like a really good draft class. This seems like a really good draft class, and there's the potential to get, honestly, two blue-chip players. Uh, so, you know, if they're going star hunting, one or two of those picks might go, especially if it's a team that's rebuilding. But getting a Ben Simmons and potentially two blue-chip players for the future, um, that's really exciting to me. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, but – you know, I hear that Jalen Hood is like a, a six seven or a six eight point guard. Like I love that I love that mold. I love that idea of that with a team and you know, Dinwiddie's sort of in that mold too. So they're gonna have continuity in that. So yeah, I, I really think that I think we have some juice. I really feel like we have some assets uh that, that Marks can do with. Um but yeah, as far as free agency and stuff, like we really are way over the cap, so it's hard for me to it's hard for me to picture, you know, picture what we could do with the MLE or what veteran minimum guys would want to come here because they don't know the state of the team yet or how good, good, good we will be yet. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like we have some juice. I feel like we have some assets. I feel like we're going to go into next year pumped. I think 
I, I know this is kind of maybe summing up everything we've said, but we'd like to see them do something. I think <laughs> the worst possible thing would be coming back with the exact same team. You know, uh, some of these vets have to go. You have to get something back, whether it's a young player, whether it's a pick. I'd like to see uh, some maybe some changes with uh, some of the assistants. You know, a lot of great head coaches got let go. You have to scoop up one of them for an assistant coaching job, whether that's Nick Nurse, whether that's Monty Williams, whether that's Frank Vogel, whoever it may be. I think uh, all Nets fans want to see is something be done because, uh, um, you know, the, you know, just extending Cam Johnson and bringing this team back isn't enough. You know, you have to use the trade exception. You have to use the mid-level exception. You got to do something to sell the fan base on whether that's a superstar that we've been talking about or whether that's a low key move, like stealing Bobby Portis from the bucks or something like you gotta do, you gotta do something to, to give fans a reason to believe in this front office and believe in this team. Yeah. I think at the very least, you know, they'll probably use the two draft picks. The Nets will probably have the taxpayer mid-level exception after cap hold with cam Johnson and all that stuff. So they will be limited, but the rumor is there's supposed to be a lot of trade activity this off season the Nets could gather more assets for the future, you know, maybe moving a DFS or a Royce O'Neal or, you know, even Cam Thomas, if they don't feel like that's a fit and they want to, you know, move on from him. Obviously, he's performed really well, but there seems to be some type of relationship issue between him and the Nets. And like you mentioned, Hassan, maybe, you know, booster up that assistant coaching staff, as we talked about earlier, Vaughn potentially getting some of his guys. And I think also something we'd all appreciate is if there's a balanced roster going into next season. You know, there was some glaring holes kind of in last year's offseason that they were able to cover up early on with talent, you know, being backup center, backup point guard and just some of the the issues with that last team. And we saw them kind of come back to bite the net to different points during the year. So hopefully Marks can kind of just build that complete roster this year in terms of just really competitive and giving the team a real opportunity to win in every game. You know, you look at some of those holes and you ask yourself, you know, if there's a better backup point guard, are they able to pull off some games because they don't have to rely on Spencer for 45 minutes or whatever it is. So I think uh, just if they're going to run it back, you know, take some good risk with the young upside guys, gather a couple assets. Hopefully the guys you draft, you know, can develop quickly or show potential to be trade pieces in the future. But guys, any other thoughts you want to get out there before we get out of here? Uh, I'm really glad you brought up Cam, Cam Thomas. Absolutely one of my favorite players. Um, I obviously want him to, to play more this year, see him even play over guys like Curry, play over guys like Patty Mills. I feel like he'd proved and showed enough. But, you know, I, I kind of like the idea or that the JV does have some old school in him, and, and he wants the young guys to, to grind and work hard to maximize their game so they can be better for the future. So, you know, yeah, I really do hope that, yeah, Cam not playing is at the front office. We're not wanting to succeed and get him off the team because I, I, you know, the Nets would obviously benefit having a potential future All Star S scorer. Um, so I'm I'm very excited for him, and yeah, I'm really excited for this team. Like I feel I feel like they have several players in their 20s that are pretty good. Um, but you know, it's a it's a win soon roster. It's not a it's not a win much later, and it's not necessarily a win now. But they're you know, it is it is win soon. So you know, it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see a move or two that shows that we are moving in the right direction. Um, you know, we don't have the control of our draft picks. And, you know, we we should not give the Rockets just our really good role players just to get some of our picks back. So, uh, yeah, that's got to be aggressive, man. And I'm pumped. Uh, I'd like I'd echo again some of the he, he always brings great points. Jake's always <laughs> he's hitting on everything. Thank you, brother. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would say Cam Thomas is such a unique situation. I mean, how many 40-point games did he have this year? Like four or five or something? He had three in a row, um, a pre-All-Star yeah, break, so or pre-trade deadline. Yeah, and then he doesn't play. So that's interesting what happens with him. Does he get frustrated? Um, I mean, he can't really request a trade. But, uh, you know, I also like some of the other guys that were on the fringe of the roster, like Yuta. I think he was a guy I'd love if they bring him back. He didn't get to play a whole lot, unfortunately. I think he was injured and he just didn't get playing time in this uh, with this rotation. But I just love his energy. I love how hard he plays. Um, his three ball is, is money from the corner. I liked Edmund Sumner this year, just a low-key, tough defensive guy. And coming off of an Achilles, that guy never stops driving the ball. Like, I really <laughs> respect that. Like, he drives it 100 miles an hour. He's coming off a torn Achilles. So uh, I hope that they could find some tough, gritty guys like that. Like, you know, I'd love to see at least one of Royce or DFS stay. I don't think you should get rid of both of them. Um, and those guys embody toughness and hard work and grit. So uh, in addition to seeing the young guys flourish, the Twins and Clacks flourish, I'd like to still see some of these tough, gritty guys stay on the roster. You know, get what you can for some of them, like Spencer or, you know, maybe a Joe or something like that, but hold on to some of the guys that give you that that Brooklyn grit type of identity. Yeah, I think you brought up a great point with Edmund Sumner and Yuta. Uh, you could argue Marks's best skill is finding kind of diamonds in the rough. You know, maybe he's not great at completing a championship roster, but he can find you some really good veteran minimum deals. You know, and he did that last year, and hopefully he can keep doing that moving forward. And It'll be a real value with the CBA changing. So we'll see kind of what happens with that and how that moves going forward. And like you said, I think they should get rid of some vets. And I think a guy that is ready to step up for the Nets is probably David Duke Jr. You know, I think uh, another offseason for him, you know, get that three-point shot a little bit more consistent. And you feel like he can be a guy that comes off the bench and plays a role for this team. And that's something we're Jack and I are going to probably jump into later in the offseason. But I guess final question for you guys. Who do you expect to play a bigger role for the Nets next season, Cam Thomas or Ben Simmons? Ooh. Damn, why not both, man? <laughs> uh, I think uh... – Hopefully both, but who do you have more confidence in playing a bigger role? And that obviously could be Cam being traded, Ben being traded, or you know them not getting enough playing time for whatever reason. I think uh, I could see Ben being in the top three on the team in minutes. Um you know, we'll see what happens. Backs are tricky. Uh, but, you know, uh, we saw firsthand as Nets fans how dominant Ben Simmons could be. Um, you know, we love D'Angelo Russell. Completely embarrassed the guy in the playoffs. Um, ben Simmons can guard one through four at an elite level and can still guard some fives. Uh, you know, he he really – the 2K version of Ben Simmons would, would do so well on this Nets team. <laughs> so, you know, you, you wish the guy peace – you, you know, you, you, you wish, you wish the guy's good. And, and, you know, I don't care if, I don't care if you could shoot a jump shot. Um, you know, obviously working your free throws, cause if you could shoot 60% from the three, you know, that's going to cause him to be more aggressive and be a Giannis light type guy. So I do. Or think just be willing to go to the free throw line. I think the biggest issue for him is just the lack of willingness to get fouled. Definitely. And, you know, this year, you know, we obviously had champs of expectations and, and, we were allowed to be hard on him, but yeah, you know, he was five months after back surgery in October, like in addition to not fixing his free throws. Yeah. You know, he didn't want to mess up his back again. So, you know, hope, hopefully this, this year, you know, we, we get to win the Harden trade. I, I think that would be a great, I think that would be a great win for this team. You know, 
whether whether we win a round of the playoffs or not, like if we can have a franchise staple in Ben moving forward, I think that'd be huge. Um, and yeah, we'd love we'd love Cam to do well, but yeah, he could be the super six man. Oh, that's really hard because I had a conversation today with a, a colleague who had a back injury, and she says she's never been the same. So, um, ah, that's really tough. Um, I don't think Cam is going to play a whole lot next year. I think they either trade him or he doesn't play. So I will have to go with Ben. I think his career is kind of on the line here. You know, um, uh, he had a season where he was up and down, playing, not playing. Uh, there, were quest- there are questions about his key. I think when you look anywhere, there's nothing positive about Ben Simmons anywhere. So I think he is playing for his NBA life here. Um, that's why I'm hoping he does play for the Boomers, and I think that will motivate him to have the best season he could possibly have. Like, I, I, I truly feel that his life is on the line here, basketball-wise. So I think that will hopefully result in him getting back to that all-defensive guy, getting back to that uh, best, one of the best passers in the league. Um, and he's in an environment where he doesn't have any pressure. You know, if the Nets make the playoffs, it's, in many people's eyes, it's a successful season. So... I'm hoping that he can find his love for basketball again, playing for the Boomers this offseason. Um, I'm hoping that he just gets back to that that number one pick that we saw back from 2016, 2017. So I'm going to go with Ben. I'd love it to be Cam, but I'm going to go with Ben. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I think there's a good argument for Cam if he's on the team, because if he's on the team, that means they believe in him to some extent. You know, it's his third year. They're probably some type of role. And I think he'll start to even buy into more of the the smaller things they're probably asking. I think a lot of that is, you know, rebounding, defensive assignments and just kind of better decision making. But we'll jump into that later in the offseason. Guys, really appreciate you jumping on the support you guys have for the buzz. Um, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter if they want to chat with you. Uh, Jake Rob Rob on, on, on Twitter. Uh, I'll come with the smoke. You talk some <laughs> smack about Camp Thomas. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, so, so happy to be back in the pod. So, so great to, to hear from you, Nick and Hassan, to, to see you guys in such great spirits. Um, yeah, man, it's been a blast. Uh, I'm, uh, Hassan Iman, 17 on Twitter. Um, I'll defend any and all Nets takes. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I'm thankful to be on the pod again. Um, I love talking Nets with anybody and everybody. Um, so yeah, hopefully the Nets have a really good season, one that we can be proud of, you know, whether they win or lose, I just want to see fight every night. So yeah, go Nets, Nets world. Again, appreciate you guys hopping on. Big thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.